back to our third podcast as we look at prayer power and changing the world again with Stuart and Robinson. We're really uh, trying to draw out from the book and from Stuart some of the uh, underlying principles. I, I personally read right through this book and uh, and uh, it really made me sit back and want to think about what do we need to do? And we have a deep value and practice of prayer. And uh, we, we talk about it a lot, but how do we catalyze new works and what needs to happen as we start to break open areas? And really made me pause and wonder uh, whether we need to be dedicating far more space and time purely to prayer, not as an adjunct, but just to break open uh, regions. Stuart, last time we talked about the Chinese church and, and what God was doing there, and you, you talked about uh, personal experience there. Let's jump back in, into that space. Tell us about your personal experience with the, the Chinese praying mm. church. Okay, David, I'll just go back a little bit earlier where I said that wherever I travel, there are always, and I see the church exploding in growth, uh, there are always three factors persistent prayer, persecution, and the third one is poverty. Uh, none of these things, of course, we have in the West. And I would say that's probably one of the reasons the church is fading in the West. Because uh, if in the poverty case, uh, the people in China, they know that unless God comes through for them today, uh, they may not eat tomorrow. That's true of any impoverished people. But affluence is toxic to our spirituality. Remember when the children of Israel were about to enter into Canaan and God said, now you're going in there, land rich in milk and honey and all that sort of stuff, but you'll forget about the Lord your God and I'll have to come and slap you around a bit, which he did and which happened frequently. So in the Chinese situation, they do have or had the poverty, they have the persecution and uh, they uh, um, have the prayer I remember when I was in, a, of course, in China, you don't talk about who you are or where you're from or what you do for security reasons. But I was a part of a meeting there and and we had to, we were in an apartment way up in a tall building and about 50 or 70 of us in this apartment. And I was teaching there for a week on prayer. And uh, I didn't know any of the people. I didn't inquire who they were. But eventually, uh, we realised that they, they only had one bathroom there and we had to get up, Margaret and I, at about 4am to uh, tip a bucket of cold water over ourselves. And in wintertime, it's cold in China. So we thought we'd do that about three or four o'clock in the morning when no one would be around and so we could get into that bathroom. To our amazement, when we opened the door in the little tiny room where we were, everyone else was, because we were honoured foreign senior people, everyone else was sleeping cheek and jowl together on the floor, or at least that was their space. But uh, many of them were praying, and we found that they had prayer going right throughout the night. And it wasn't so much the, the length of prayer, it was the intensity of the prayer which deeply affected us. As they prayed, they were weeping over the state of their nation, over the lost. And I thought to myself, well, I pray, but I, I don't know that I, I pray much like this. And, and I got to know these people, just a few of them, 
And I remember saying to one person, uh, uh, you know, asking what this person was doing, and she advised me that her leader was actually in prison for another decade or so, so she had to lead. And I asked her, well, how many people is in the movement you lead? And she said, oh, about 12 million And I thought, all right, and I'm teaching you. I should learn from you rather than teach. And uh, then another lady whom I got to know a little better, and I said, where did you learn about the Bible? And and she said, well, we went to a Bible school which was in a shed behind a factory. We went in there, and we never came out from that shed for 12 months because that would have been... um, uh, creating difficulties for the owner of the factory had anyone known we're in there. And uh, our, our teacher had a textbook. He just had one book. It was called the Bible. He started at Genesis 1 and he taught for the whole year through to the end of Revelation. And I said, well, what was your daily routine? And they said, well, we get up at four o'clock in the morning. We would read our Bibles. We'd pray. We'd have our breakfast, do our ablutions. Then we'd get to study the word And then at the end of the day, we'd pack up and go to bed at 10 o'clock. And she said, we did that for the whole year, 365 days. And I said, how did you sustain that? And she said, well, you know, we Chinese, we're disciplined and we we want to be number one at everything. And we want to know God best of all. And I thought, oh, goodness me, how different these people are compared with church and Christians in the West. Uh, uh, it's just just amazing that experience of living with those people uh, again in another situation uh, where I was um, in another city and there I got to know a couple of pastors and and I asked them uh, you know how long have you been in this city it's a, a northern city and they said uh, 10 years and I, they supported themselves through a little shop they ran and I said, have you been able to plant any churches? They hummed and hard. And eventually I got out and they, they'd formed about 500 churches. Of course, it's not church like we know in Australia because church has to be cell-based, underground. You can't have big buildings and things like that. And I said, how did you do that? They said, well, when we started, as soon as possible, we established prayer. And so the prayer, a team would come along and they would pray for eight hours and at the end of eight hours, another team would come and they'd pray for eight hours. And then a third team would come another eight hours. And so we had a constant prayer going from the beginning. And I said, well, that's interesting. Um, what else do you do about prayer? Oh, once a, once a month, we, we give teaching over a special weekend all about prayer. All right. What else do you do? Well, once a year, we go way up into the mountains where uh, no one can see us. And there we have a special prayer retreat. And I said, well, who gets to go on the prayer retreat? They said, ah, to go on the prayer retreat, you must have participated in the local church prayer meeting a minimum of 300 days. I said, well, you know, in Australia, we're not that keen on prayer. What if I'd only been in the prayer meetings for 299 days. They said, well, yes, we'd let you come, but you would have to sit outside the building. We'd leave a window open so that you could hear what was happening inside. And I need to say again, this is in an area where snow and ice is prevalent for about eight months of the year. But that is their 
passionate dedication to prayer. You can see now why God is just moving so strongly amongst these people in uh, in prayer and, and how they endure persecution through their material poverty. That's amazing because um, every time we encounter movements, um, we encounter these, this white-hot prayer mm. and we encounter sacrifice and, and perseverance in prayer and breakthrough that comes into regions and unreached people groups through uh, dedicated and persevering and targeted prayer. Those of us who have watched the Engage Africa uh, DVDs can always remember Shikondo, uh and from West Africa talking about uh, the monthly rhythms of prayer. We have weekly prayer. We have all-night prayer. We have 21 days of fasting. We have seven days of fasting. And by the end of listening to Shikondo talk, you, you're wondering, is there a minute of the month that they're not praying? Um, obviously, uh, this is a whole community and how they pray. And uh, But there there is white-hot prayer. And I can just remember many times in India sitting in, in prayer um, with uh, groups of of Indians, and these are the, the hubs of movements. People like Roderick Gilbert's movement, and the the hours and hours of prayer, but not quiet prayer, not silent prayer, mm. passionate prayer, alive prayer, uh, intense prayer. And out of that, you know, watching the correlation between prayer, baptisms, multiplication, planting groups. Uh, the difference is stark as we jump into our our Aussie context, and we see the um, see the 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 difficulty of even thinking of calling a prayer meeting at times during the week mm. and getting five people when there's a hundred people in the church or mm. um, that kind of thing. Now, Stuart, honestly, when we talk about these things, we can feel discouraged. We can feel inadequate. We can feel like, mm, gee, that's good for them. They're heroes. I'm, I'm just like a, I'm like a codfish in the morning, and and uh, I I don't know how to pray, and and uh, I'm not that that powerful in prayer. And um, how how do we grab this fire? And it's got to start somewhere. Like a spark has to start a fire. And if there are no coals. In the fire, how, how do we create? How do we create a, a culture of prayer within both personally, but also in groups and within? Uh, yeah, what what's the starting points? And well, it, it's a mixture of uh, discipline and then God's grace. From the human perspective, if I use the illustration of what happened uh, here at Crossway, uh, I knew when I returned to Australia. I didn't have a clue on what you're supposed to do in church, but I, after uh, some months, the Lord revealed to me why he brought me back to Australia, and that was he wanted to establish uh, this different sort of church. He wanted to do it through me, uh, but I didn't know how to do it. And in my desperation, all I could think was, well, Lord, you'll have to show me, and it's got to be through prayer. And um, so I just started to pray myself. I knew there was not much point in teaching and preaching on prayer because people would just feel guilty. It had to be an internal impulse of the Spirit to urge them to participate. 
And so in my experience, I just started out alone. Uh, I set a time, I'd come to the church premises, uh, not where we are at the moment, but the other place where we were previously. And there I would pray. And uh, I did that for a number of years. Uh, and nothing much was happening. Uh, but I just continued on believing that God in his own time would come. He would activate he, the people. And it happened that we had a youth pastor. His name was Rod Denton. And Rod asked, could he go to uh, Korea? And I said, uh, yes, you can go on one condition, that you don't say anything to anyone as to uh, what you discover until I give you the pulpit to say it in. And so Rod agreed and off he went. Now, I knew that in Korea he would discover how the Koreans pray. You see, in the 20th century, Korea went from almost zero Christian population to just on 40% in a century. That's of the entire population. They learned to pray as a result of the 1907 revival when the Holy Spirit visited a group of Christian national leaders and missionaries who were fighting amongst themselves in Pyongyang, which is today the capital of North Korea. And uh, when one leader there humbled himself, then a missionary humbled himself, and, and so the, the Spirit visited them. And ever since then, they knew how to pray, and that caused that great outpouring continuously, almost for a century on South Korea, we call it today. Rod went there and came back, and then on a Sunday night, I said, I, uh, I said Rod, this coming Sunday night, you're on. And, of course, he got up and spoke about prayer. And I thought, this is it. God's going to move. And, indeed, he did. To make sure I was there, I got there at 5 o'clock in the morning. I used to go at 6 alone. And then, um, but I got there at 5, and I found out people had been so moved by the Spirit with what Rod was sharing that they started to turn up at 3 o'clock in the morning. By the time I got there, there were already 50 or so people waiting, and more were coming. And so we started and quickly we had a hundred or so people there praying and each morning my job of course wasn't to exhaust myself by trying to be at every single meeting so I arranged to have uh, the pastors to be responsible for one morning a, a week and uh, I set all that up and then I had to go away uh, for a long period of time uh, I was on a study leave. And I thought I was very keen to look at what happened when I came back. And uh, so when I came back, um, I rushed up to the church and it was all dark. Oh, something's gone wrong. So that was Monday morning. Tuesday morning, I went up there again, all dark. Eventually what I found was that although I'd set up a system, everyone had just walked away from it when I walked away on my study leave. So what should I do? I, I just started again, going there. And after only six weeks, God moved again. He moved one of the youth staff. He woke him at 1 a.m. in the morning and said, you need to get down to the church because your pastor is praying there alone. You've got to be there at 6 a.m. to join him. Oh, so he turned up. Uh, a week later, another person turned up. The, the same thing. The Lord woke him up in the night and said, you've got to go and join your pastor in prayer. And so it built again. And so we built the the whole thing. It was God building the people. It was our responsibility to continue in a 
disciplined way. And, um, and so that was the, the foundation. When we came to Crossway, of course, we built a, a chapel there just for prayer and fasting with a view to having 24-7 prayer on site here. But that's the secret behind Crossway, that plus multiplying discipleship. Prayer is caught and not taught. Mm. Prayer is modelled. And, uh, and uh, as, as we start to see that prayer... Uh, becomes a part of our life. We need to, we need to catch it, and we need to model it, and we need to be with people to catch the fire. God bless you this week as you you consider how you're going with prayer, and uh, how you can grow a bit by bit in the journey of prayer. 